Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. And today, interview, I have the sensei, Hanshi Dina Naidu. I don't know that you're going to see the Steven Seagal, Bruce Lee, and all these, you know, famous martial art artists. However, today I have the man from the people, somebody who grew up in a very rough environment, somebody who saw everything and passing his knowledge to his wisdom to something sublime, something greater than ourselves. I have a sensei, Hanshi Dina Naidu. Hanshi, welcome to the podcast today. Yes, thank you, Mario. It's an absolute pleasure to be here today and uh, to meet, finally meet with you. I'm looking forward to this interview. Well, thank you for coming to the secret location and let's go start today, Hanshi. Yes, happy to do I it. I locked you today in a, in a studio by leaving outside. I need to go just a quickly set up myself and I think myself... I left a man locked in in a studio. What if somebody, you know, run into the studio, try to rob me? And it's like, <laughs> well, he'll be very sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Hanshidina, first of all, question for you. How many uh, these steps dance you have in karate? Right. My, my present level is nine dan, which is one of the highest in the world, even nine amongst ten. the Japanese. Nine degree. And each dan takes about five Yes, to complete. Oh my God. So I've reached 910 level. Oh, welcome. Hanshi, okay, born in South Africa on a Wednesday, revolution start, pro, revolt, you know, protest, whatever we call this in yeah. South Africa. We call it revolution every day, was there. Wednesday night, start protest. You're born on a Friday. Yes, yeah, no, I was born on Friday. The yeah. riot started on the Wednesday. Okay. And, uh, you know, there was mayhem everywhere. There was rioting and killing and the African people and the Indian people were having a riot. Uh, I'm not going to go into the politics of who started it and who's the cause and who's to blame. Mm. But all I can say, there was burning and killing and yeah. mayhem everywhere. And, uh, and your father was police officer, so he got for the obviously to that's right. Riot, yeah, my father was police officer. I had to. He was called to the police station, and uh, he left mum alone in the house, mom, and yeah. she was terrified by everything around her. And I popped out, just like this in the middle of the riot by your mom. In the middle of the riot, I popped out. No emergency, no crime river story, nobody yeah. helping your mom, just your mom and you. Exactly. How can she go to the hospital? Yeah. It's not possible. You know, she's alone at home. Yes. And I said, it's time to come out. And here <laughs> I was. <laughs> that was a 74 years ago. And uh, Sensei Hanshi, you guys are going to leave it in the comment section below uh, his details. You know, Hanshi, he's really booming from you know, vitality and stamina and energy and somebody you you can look very high. So Hanshi, let's go start with this one. So you grew up in South Africa, obviously in the riots. And then South Africa is not some touristic country, let's just say 70 years ago, where people go there and uh, they just enjoy like touristic ride and everything is safe. It's quite unsafe country. So you're born in that country. Tell us more about your growing Well, up. it's going to annoy a lot of South Africans if, if I tell them that it is the most unsafe country in the world. Well, but uh, at the moment, at the moment, you know, many people have uh, the disadvantage of being, you know, killed and robbed and, and so on and so forth. I mean, in South Africa today, I just come back from a holiday you can't drive at night. You're not allowed to drive at night because you're going to be mugged or robbed or whatever they do. Isn't that sad? You know, like, so like growing up in country like this, you know, I can I give you that just a little rundown. So karate, you know, is spoken in the beginning. 
Karate for me was, as I, my friend was a Bruce Lee. I know he's not a karate person, he's a kung fu, right? But for us, was, everything was the same. <laughs> and on Sunday morning, we used to go in the cinema at 10, 10 a.m. before the lunch, because by lunchtime, we into back, back home. And the way back from cinema to home, we all like doing, ooh, you know, flying, all these things. However, <laughs> we enrolled the karate, right? And mm. uh, all my buddies and everything else. But then I realized, actually, this is just boring. It's just all stretching and, ooh, and so this, Everything needs to stop like a two centimeters in front of your face. So you can't do this. Like I, this is not like a Bruce Lee, right? And I give up going in the boxing. Why did you choose karate and what a karate it is? Well, I started my life as a wrestler, young wrestler. There was a police officer uh, two doors away from me. Yeah. And he got all the young guys together and taught them wrestling. Mm -hmm. It was a fantastic start. My uncle was a boxer. Yeah. And my dad was very interested in boxing, so they taught me boxing. So I had wrestling, boxing, and I thought maybe I need to learn more because there was violence. Yeah. We lived in an in a area called Springtown, and there were knife fights and things happening and so on and so forth. So I said, let me do something more. Mm -hmm. My friend Roland Palm, yeah. who passed away now, his daughter died in a bomb uh, blast in Cape Town mm. when the ANC was rebelling and uh, the poor girl died. Yeah. Yes. So anyway, Roland has also passed, but he introduced me to a karate that he just started. And I said, wow. I looked at the first class. I said, this yeah. is for me. Yeah. And I started training karate in the school. So... He didn't have enough of the of the wrestling and boxing when you do karate, right? Yes. So what was your perception of karate when you walk into that called dojo, obviously, right? You know what I mean? It's like a karate kid. You walk inside and there was no Mr. Miyagi and a wax on, wax off. Did you have a chance to punch somebody or did you walk inside? It's like, I'm going to come to that part later about swearing so did you walk inside or yes when i saw guys using their legs like they use their hands i said my god that's amazing that these guys can kick somebody in the head and <laughs> do all these amazing things and i said whoa this is for me in the next session i joined the karate class yeah but it was not enough for me i mean the school was fairly good yeah. but it was kind of to me it was a very primitive type of my, uh, karate. Mm -hmm. It was uh, not really the kind of thing. I, I felt there was more to it. So I was searching for a karate master. And in 1975, I said to dad, I said, I'm going to Japan. He said, why? I said, I want to learn karate from a real master. How old you are? Right, I was about 25 okay. years old. Yeah, but I thought... What I was learning wasn't enough. And I had started my own school by then. I had 250 students in my school. By age 25? 25 wow. years old. God, you started early to become an entrepreneur. Yes. So anyway, you know, it was not enough. I said to my dad, I booked my ticket. I'm off to Japan. My students helped me raise some money, did uh, fundraising activities like dances and all yeah. that kind of thing. We saved enough money, and which got me to Japan. And I joined this amazing school of Gogen Yamaguchi, one of the most brilliant karate teachers. But he was not just a physical teacher, yeah. but he was a mental and spiritual teacher. 
And he took me on as a private student to guide me at four o'clock in the morning every day on things that other people weren't getting. So we had 15 foreigners in the college, but he only chose me to learn that. I have a question now. It's really, really stuck me when you said you're 25 years old and yet you have your studio, you have your students yes. and you have no problems to say this, which most people will hide. You ask community and your students to help you to go in Japan, study more karate because most of people will hide the detail that somebody else actually helped them. Yes. And you have the pride to say people who are my students and people around me collected money to send me in, 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 in Japan. How do you feel about that? Oh, uh, you know, I, I got to uh, thank uh, Sensei Bridge, my brother Sensei Sivi, and a lot of other people that have contributed and helped to get me to Japan. You know, these were amazing guys that ran my school while I was away, collected money so I can support myself in Japan. Uh, you know, like, it just, I just, I, I can't say enough, you know, I mean, how grateful I am that I'm having you today in the studio. Um, I think the world is missing honesty. Everyone loves to talk about truth and honesty. But when we come to that point, and as I said, like, this is the why this podcast is being designed from victim to victor. So you were born in country, which is, you know, in turmoil from the violence, not just because of the apartheid or the blacks and whites and Indians, but it was as well the, the type of country who's been raped through the centuries by the other forces, I mean, known and known. And yet you made it the best from the life in the sense that you are today sharing your story on a life to battlefield that is possible to come from one place and become a successful man itself. And that's what it is. So tell me now, you walk into the Japan. Did you know anybody in Japan? <laughs> well. Did you know Japanese? Yes. Well, <laughs> I couldn't speak a word of Japanese. I got off the plane at uh, Narita Airport. Yeah. Jumped into the first taxi and I said to the guy, take me to the nearest hotel. Yeah. He pressed a button, the door opened and he pointed outside. He couldn't speak a word of English. So <laughs> I couldn't speak a word of Japanese. So he said, pointed outside means get off my car. Yeah, I, I jumped into the next yeah. car, the same thing happened. After third cars, I said, no, these guys can't speak English. What am I going to do? And mum had packed my luggage. Yes. And I think I must have carried about 50 kilos in that bag. Yeah. And I had Mom, to carry. for you. Yeah, <laughs> mother, yeah. And I had to carry this luggage yes. looking for an airport. But my friend Bruce Anthony, mm. one of the greatest karate teachers that come out of Japan, living in South Africa, Sensei Bruce Anthony, uh, taught me two words. Yes. Doko deska. He said to me, if you're ever lost in Japan, use the word do, the words doko deska, which means where it is. So he said, if you're looking for a hotel, for instance, say hotel doko deska, and the Japanese would understand, and okay. they will point you in the right direction. So carrying this heavy luggage, I met the first Japanese, and I said, hotel doko deska, and they said, masugi de migigawa which I didn't understand at the time. They said, go straight and then turn right. And then I followed that direction. And eventually, after asking many, many people, I got to the hotel. And that was my first 
experience of uh, why did you give up you could give up you can easily sit back on a plane go home why did you give up no english you don't have friends you don't know nobody there why did you stay why didn't you say i i have enough this is not for me all champions never give up can come again all champions never give up can you elaborate this a little bit more yeah if you believe in what you believe you never give up if you believe in what you believe you never give up you keep going i believe that i am heading to become a teacher yes i've come looking for a teacher why do i give up now he's right there at my doorstep i need to reach him the door will open and i will step in so i didn't want to give up i said i got to meet him so, so how did you meet your master right so i went to the hotel room and you know i landed as soon as i landed in the the receptionist could speak english so i was lucky oh thank you you know right. so he gave me <laughs> so, so he gave me a room and i landed on the bed i'm telling you mario yes. i didn't even have a shower okay i was so dead tired carrying that heavy luggage throughout that city to find the hotel i just plonked on the bed i was stone cold asleep yeah. gone i got up at 2 o'clock in the morning so where am yeah, i jet lag, you know, where yeah. am i and then i had a shower went downstairs and there were, of course there was a receptionist there had a chat i gave them the telephone number of my teacher they said they'll call him in the morning and then he sent his son to pick me up and on the way so, so let's go let's start back you know because this this I'm very curious right we're talking now 20 your 25 is all 75 is ago you sent it was so let's just say middle 70s right mm. that's mid 70s no internet right no, no, no google internet. translator yeah no the you know whatsapp viber all these communicative you know tools yeah. yet how did you find your uh, your 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 teacher i mean your sensei from south africa in japan right there's a teacher in south africa called stan hart mm-hmm. so i went to him and i said to him i want to go to japan to this master and you connected with him mm-hmm. could you give me a letter to get me into the to he had a karate college my teacher he had a karate college where he taught all the styles of karate and weapons mm-hmm. yoga as well as spirituality mm-hmm. so it was ideal for me it was like something made like for me yeah, yeah, made yeah, for yeah. me right so I um uh with this letter I was able to find my teacher. But that was all letter, right? That was all letter. That was all by letter. There was no internet, there was no emails. There no, was no, no. It was only pigeons and the mail. <laughs> <laughs> I remember those times. I mean, I was born in 72, but you know, I do I do remember as a kid, you, know, you send a letter and then you waiting reply for something. You never comes the opening mailbox. Yeah. So eventually you come in touch with your teacher. Yes. And what was your experience in Japan then? You know, oh, did the teacher knew at English or? You know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> a teacher couldn't speak English. Uh, uh, he, um, when you enter the college, there's two big statues in the front. Mm-hmm. The him and the ha. The him says, welcome. The ha says, if you don't behave, we're going to fix you. So you had to be disciplined. You had to okay. be listening to the rules and regulations of the college. If you didn't, they will line you up. Interesting. They will line you up and beat you up. So, so tell us, guide us to this process. You know, so in Japan, obviously, as I said, like we were talking, that was a 50 years ago, where in, you know, as I remember, 
there was no modern communication like today, instant communication, emails and, you know, the, the messaging services, just name them. You're separate from your family, from your from your mother, you know, obviously father, and from country you're born, and you're in Japan, you don't know English, but you're studying what you love most. Well, how did you feel in that moment in different country, and then you are doing something what you believe you are born to do it? Well, I tell you, I learned very quickly. I felt... <laughs> I felt at home. Okay. Right? It was like in my past life I was Japanese mm-hmm. because I learned the language very quickly. Mm-hmm. And I surprised you today by talking in uh, uh, your language, right? Yes, you know, even, even Croatian is like a, But that's a good thing, you know, like I just done some research today. I was being told by Mighty Google, right? So yeah. I've been told by Mighty Google. So if I want to, you know, some some statistics quickly, I just gonna Google like everybody else and ask what it means when somebody speaks more than one language, right? It yeah. means that very, very bright person can learn more quickly and uh, adapt to situation and, you know, exp- yeah. explore the life. So how many languages do you speak now? Well, I speak uh, Zulu, which is uh, African language. Okay. You know, I can't stand on a platform and, and give a big sermon in Zulu, but I can, it's conversational. Okay. Conversational. I can speak um, Afrikaans, okay. conversational Afrikaans. I speak a bit of Italian, Japanese, and uh, English, of course, and yeah. bits and pieces of other languages. My God. Uh, and when you said this, that you felt that you were born... That, sorry, you said, apologies. You were born, previous life, you have been Japanese, right? Yes. How did you felt that that this has happened to you. I was at home. Okay. I felt I was at home. I felt I just adapted to the Japanese way very easily. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, a lot of the Japanese found that, that I was able to assimilate, speak their own language, understand their culture very, very quickly. You know that today politicians, particularly Australian politicians, they can't even go overseas without seven translators, you know, the, the aid. <laughs> You know, that everybody <laughs> do something. Yeah. Isn't this embarrassing that we are living in such a modern age, but we're requiring, with all this modern technology, we're requiring more people to assist us and that we feel more um, distant from, from, from places where we're coming from instead of become closer. It means like you went from South Africa, Japan, you feel like you are home without yeah. using our intuition, our senses. What do you think about this when somebody listening now this podcast and says, that Mario is an idiot asking that question because it's not such a thing, spirituality or previous lives or karma like this, because that's what we're referring to. Well, how would you feel when somebody said this to you? Okay, now who is saying that I'm an idiot? That's the question. No, no, me, me, not you, me. Oh, you. Yeah, no, no, okay. Like, it's easier for me, that's all. <laughs> I, I don't want nobody mess with that, with the Nazi, Nazi, because my Danny Karate is like, the, the flying moves coming later, so like, yeah, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The don't thing is, laugh, yes? <laughs> yeah. the thing is, we have seven levels of consciousness. Seven levels of consciousness. Seven levels of consciousness within our being, right? Yeah. So most human beings only use two levels of consciousness, which is the conscious mind mm-hmm. and the subconscious mind. The subconscious mind is the memory mind, and the conscious mind is now the engaging mind, mm-hmm. right? Above, the, above these two levels is called a higher consciousness, and it proceeds up to seven levels of consciousness. Now, as these things, as these consciousness opens up, as you develop spiritually, these things, it's like a rosebud that opens the petals. 
Okay. And it opens up. As it opens up, greater abilities come to you. Okay. You are able to do amazing things. Mm -hmm. Let me give you a little story. Yes, please. Okay. I was traveling uh, in a suburb in Johannesburg yes. with a young man and who refers to me as uncle. And uh, uh, in front of us, there's a, a Caucasian gentleman in front of us driving an old car. He must have bought it in the 2020s or something. Yeah. And a really heavy metal car. Suddenly, the tire goes flat. And um, I say to this guy, I said, hey, we've got to help this guy. And he says, uncle, no, 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 we can't. I said, why? He says, this is the most dangerous area in Johannesburg. We can't stop here. They'll shoot us, kill us, mug us or something. Yes. And I said, no, we stopped the car. He said, no, no, we can't. I said, stop the car. I'm telling you, stop the car. So he pulled over. Now, we were too far away from the gentleman, so we had to walk back. So we walked all the way back, and the poor elderly gen gentleman was afraid. He thought we were going to mug him. He said, no, we're here to help him. So I said um, to him, I said, where's your jack? We got the jack from the boot. The jack wouldn't go under the car because the other tire was half full, yeah, yeah. and this tire is completely empty, and it was sitting on the ground. We can't get the jack underneath. So this guy says, how are we going to change the tire? I said, under the balls. He said, what? I said, under the balls. So what are you going to do? I said, just under the balls. He under the balls. I said, I'm going to pick the car up. I picked the car up in front of him and we can, you, we, you can have a chat with him later and to find out whether the, that is the truth. I lifted the car. I said, pull the tire. He pulled the tire off, got the other tire, I lifted the car, put the tire back in, put the bolts, and away we went. Now, how does that happen? How does it you know, happen? That's how does that happen? We have within ourselves higher levels of consciousness that gives us the power to be able to do amazing things. Absolutely amazing things. Okay, I'll give you another story. I was... Uh, a bouncer in a nightclub. When I was a young guy, I used to be hired to be a bouncer. So you did kick some... You, you kicked some... But so bouncer. many heads is not funny. Okay, let's see. <laughs> so the man, man of peace. Because <laughs> he was actually man of violence, but that's okay. <laughs> I love your passion, so it's not, I'm on a, a safe distance from you. <laughs> so yes, please, you're the bouncer. <laughs> yeah, so a, a friend of mine called me, he says, oh, give us a hand, give us a hand. I said, what's going on? He says, my nephew is being attacked by th about 30 guys mm -hmm. and they're bashing him. Mm -hmm. Can you help? I said, okay, yeah, happy to do it. So I went outside and there was about 30, 25 to 30 guys. I didn't stand there and count, but that was basically the number, right? Yeah. And uh, two guys were fighting. One guy was underneath, one guy was on top. And I said, which is your nephew? He says, the one at the bottom. I said, okay, I'll fix it. Yeah. I'll fix it. He said, what are you going to do? I said, what you need to do is to get yourself against the car so nobody stabs you at the back. Yeah. Right? Get your back against the car so you're safe. I said, leave the rest to me. So I went up, grabbed the top guy by the collar. The other hand, I stuck it in his groin mm. and squeezed the groin. What happens when you squeeze the groin? 
They become airborne. <laughs> they become right? <laughs> they become airborne. It's so light. Okay. They call them castrati, you know, that the, the boys would take a chop off the head. Like, ah! so, <laughs> so I squeezed it that yeah. tight, he lifted up, yeah. and I chucked him. I chucked him over the top. The guy at the bottom was free. On the left-hand side, when I'm looking straight, on the left-hand side, a guy attacks me with a knife. He was going to stick it in my throat. Mm. I didn't turn my head. I kicked him. He flew. Now, amazing miracle happened. Which is? When I walked forward, it was like Moses when the river, when, when the, the sea was parting. Was <laughs> 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 so they all moved from side to side. I to be your best friend. Eh? <laughs> I was the best friend of Hanshi. <laughs> like walking. But. So what was the perception of the people? You know, let's go back actually, not to side. So, so you said it's a certain level of consciousness, right? Right. When did you discover this? Obviously not when you're in the bouncer. You discovered this when you're in Japan in a temple, right? You know, I mean, dojo or later on. The, or your sensei, your master told you, Hanshi, this is, this is not a war and peace. It's a, it's, it's a dojo you learn here. Mario, I can't tell you all your secrets because what's going to happen, yes. you're bec- going to become very spiritual like me and you're going to forget everything else. So I've got to be cautious not to tell you everything. No, you can tell me everything. 